I want to start tonight by giving a big congratulations to the ladies. Let's men, let's give them a hand. They not only won Bible Jeopardy tonight, but they dominated Bible Jeopardy. They almost run the board. So, congratulations to the ladies. If you want to turn tonight to Exodus chapter 21, Exodus 21. And we had started chapter 20 a few weeks back. And in chapter 20, God had given the Israelites the Ten Commandments, but He didn't stop there. He continued to give them more instructions, more commands, more of, uh, of, of the law as we see throughout Exodus and as we see through some of these other books at the beginning of what we call the Old Testament. And tonight He is continuing on in chapter 21 about some more of the laws to the people. Now, God gave the people laws uh, uh, in a lot of different areas as we are going to see. Uh, Some of these areas, I believe, in particular this one that we are uh, reading tonight, uh, it's important for us to understand the cultural difference of the times. The things that may have been allowed but may not have been uh, commanded or may not have been acceptable for the day. God did allow some things to go on as we will talk about, uh, but we need to be careful when we look at God's Word and we need to be careful in our own hearts when we begin to look at some of the things that the law discusses. And so tonight we will look at this passage, but uh, more so talk about uh, how it may apply to us and how we should consider uh, what's being talked about in this passage tonight. So uh, let's pray and then we'll jump in. Father God, we come to you tonight, and I pray, God, that you would just hide me behind the cross. I pray that you forgive my sinfulness, dear Lord, the the hardness of heart that may sometimes arise in me, dear Lord, the negative feelings, the the things that the enemy tries to attack me with, that you won't let those things affect my preaching and teaching, God. I pray that you would protect me, that you would protect each one that's here, dear Lord. Perhaps there are others that are under attack of the enemy, dear Lord, that's trying to uh, change our heart, change our mind, get it off of you and off of things that are good, off of love, dear Lord, and on to things that are not of you, God. So don't let the enemy uh, steal our joy tonight. Don't let the enemy keep us from hearing your word, and don't let the enemy keep us from having our heart changed for the good. So I pray, God, that you would just speak through me tonight. I pray that you would take over, dear Lord, that you would uh, let your Holy Spirit take over our minds and our hearts so that your words may speak uh, to us what we need to hear in just the right way we need to hear it tonight. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Amen. Exodus 21, verse 1. These are the ordinances that you must set before them. When you buy a Hebrew slave, he is to serve for six years. Then in the seventh, he is to leave as a free man without paying anything. If he arrives alone, he is to leave alone. If he arrives with a wife, his wife is to leave with him. If his master gives him a wife and she bears him sons or daughters, the wife and her children belong to her master and the man must leave alone. But if the slave declares, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I do not want to leave as a free man. His master is to bring him to the judges and then bring him to the door or doorpost. His master must pierce his ear with an awl and he will serve his master for life. When a man sells uh, his daughter as a slave, she is not to leave as the male slaves do. 
If she is displeasing to her master who chose her for himself, then he must let her be redeemed. He has no right to sell her to foreigners because he has acted treacherously towards her. Or if he chooses her for his son, he must deal with her according to the customary treatment of daughters. If he takes an additional wife, he must not reduce the food, clothing, or marital rights of the first wife. And if he does not do these three things for her, she may leave free of charge without any exchange of money. Now this is a difficult topic maybe for us to wrap our heads around as we look at Scripture. Because one thing that we see when we talk about slavery and we look at slavery in Scripture is that Scripture never says that slavery is wrong. Now, that's hard for us to wrap our head around. Scripture never explicitly says slavery is wrong. Even more so, some may try to justify slavery by pointing to verses like these that say, well, here God is giving instructions on how to treat slaves, therefore slavery must be okay. Even in the New Testament, we studied Philemon a few weeks ago. You may remember that even then, Paul didn't, didn't come at Philemon and say, you are sinning by if you keep Onesimus as your, as your slave. Instead, he said, look, I encourage you to let Onesimus go out of love because it's the right thing to do. And so it makes it difficult when we talk about slavery. Now, God does give many rules and many laws when it comes to slavery. And as we can see here, it would appear as though most of these laws are for the good of the slave, so that they are properly taken care of and they are not taken advantage of. But one thing that we see here that is key for us to realize is the fact that the slave goes free after seven years. It's not a lifetime of slavery. It's not something that's passed from generation to generation. Perhaps the person has gone into slavery to repay a debt, or perhaps they're in slavery for whatever reason. But there comes a time that at the end of their time served, which was on the seventh year, that they were to be set free. And so God is taking care of the slaves here by giving this law. Now, why did God allow the Israelites to enslave certain people? If slavery is wrong, and I believe that it is, why did God allow such things? Well, one reason why I believe that God allowed slavery is because sometimes God uh, used nations to bring punishment upon other nations. Now, we see that with the nation of Israel as they are going into the promised land. There are some that are enslaved. There are others which God commands them to completely destroy. There are certain nations that God lists off in scriptures in Deuteronomy, and God said these nations are to be destroyed. There were some that they could take uh, as slaves for themselves. Now, I believe that part of the reason why God allows that in the Old Testament is that is one way in which God is bringing judgment onto these nations who were doing evil and wicked things. And we see that time and time again through these nations that the Israelites encounter. We also see the reverse take place. Not only does God use Israel to bring judgment on the other nations, but God also uses the other nations to bring judgment on Israel. Israel, let's not forget, was enslaved by the Egyptians. This is a point of which God reminds them of many times as he's giving them the law. 
He reminds them, don't forget where you come from. When you deal with foreigners, when you deal with aliens, not the ones in the sky, but people from other places, God tells the people of Israel to treat them kindly, to accept them, to not treat them differently, and to remember where they themselves have come from, which was a life of slavery. And so God allowed slavery here, but there were lots of stipulations which were put into place for the good of those who were enslaved. God would sometimes allow Israel to enslave people, and God also would allow other nations to enslave Israel. We see it happen again in Israel's uh, future after uh, Egypt, uh, after they're enslaved, they go into the promised land and they are disobedient to God. God's allowed, God allows the Assyrians to come in and to overtake uh, Israel. And then we see a few years later uh, that God allows the Babylonians to come in and overtake the tribe of Judah because of their disobedience. Now they are not enslaved forever. But in the case of the Babylonian uh, slavery, uh, where they are taken captive by the Babylonians, it lasts for 70 years. It was a set period of time. Why did God allow this to happen? Was it because He didn't love Israel? Absolutely not. God loved Israel greatly. They were His chosen people. God allowed this to happen to bring judgment on them. It was a form of judgment, a form of correction to get the people back on the right track so that the people would uh, do what they were supposed to be doing. We see some of these things in Leviticus chapter 19 verses 33 and 34 if you want to turn there. Leviticus 19, 33 and 34. These verses explain what the people are supposed to do when they encounter these foreigners that they come across. Leviticus 19 verse 33 says, When a foreigner lives with you in your land, you must not oppress him. That is, don't treat him harshly. Don't take advantage of them. Now we see oppression in our world today. Some of you may see it right close to home, but one example that instantly comes to mind is when we talk about the free Burma Rangers. And they also go by the name of free the oppressed. Why? Because they encounter people that other people are taking advantage of, that other people are harming, that other people are using and abusing, that other people are trying to destroy. That's what it means to oppress someone, to treat them unfairly. And God tells the Israelites, don't do that. Don't be those kind of people that oppress those who are foreigners. Now this is important. This is, this is kind of important for us in our culture today. Why? Because the topic of immigrants coming into our country is a hot topic, right? There are people coming in from other nations, from other places. Well, what do we do with them? Well, we should kick them out, right? Because they're from other places and they're here illegally and they don't have the same rights and freedoms as we do. We're American and how dare they come into our country? So we should ship them back off, Right? Well, maybe not. What did God say to the Israelites here? Don't oppress those people. Don't treat them differently. When a foreigner lives with you in your land, you must not oppress him. You must regard the foreigner who lives with you as a native born among you. Whoa, look out now. What if those words are applying to us in our world today in these very United States of America? We need to pray about that. 
We need to pray about these situations that go on. We need to pray that God would guide us, that the Holy Spirit would lead us. Should we allow every foreigner to come in? That's for each of us to decide independently. Should we lock them all out at the border and ship them back on a boat to where they came from? Well, we need to be in prayer for that. It's hard for me to read verses like this and take a hard stance to say, they don't belong here, we need to send them back to where they came from. Verses like this begin to make me think again. They begin to soften my heart. They help me to think, you know what, maybe I need to have a little more grace and mercy That's for each of us to decide on our own, and we need to pray about that because it's difficult. We need to pray about it because it's happening in our world today. We want to do what is right in God's eyes individually and as a nation. You must regard the foreigner who lives with you as a native born among you. You are to love him as yourself. For you were foreigners in the land of Egypt. I am Yahweh your God. There's that reminder we talked about a while ago. God says, treat these people like they are native born among you. And what is the reason in which He gives? Because don't forget where you came from. Don't forget that you too were once enslaved. Don't forget that you too were once people living in a foreign land. How did it feel when you were treated that way? When you were oppressed, when you were enslaved. That reminder God gives the people there is the motivation that should have caused Israel to treat the people they encountered with some love, apart from those that God called out for destruction. And that's a hard one for us to maybe understand, but God is perfect. If He called out certain nations for destruction, He, he, he expected Israelite, the Israelites to follow through and destroy those nations uh, completely. We see another reference back in Exodus chapter 22. Exodus 22, verse 21. We'll be getting to this in a a couple of weeks. But it goes along these same lines of what we're talking about tonight. Exodus chapter 22, verse 21 says, You must not exploit a foreign resident or oppress him since you were foreigners in the land of Egypt. Similar language, right? What we just saw. We see this this theme, this idea repeated throughout the laws. God is giving it to his people. What does he tell them? You must not exploit a foreign resident or or oppress him. Now think about this for a second. One, you don't answer out loud. Just answer to yourself. One, do we believe that all people are equal? No matter what the color of their skin, no matter what country they may come from, no matter if they are rich, no matter if they are poor, no matter if they are man or woman, do we believe that all people are created equally? And if you answered no to that problem, then I would encourage you to read your Bible more. But if you answer yes to that problem, that you do believe people are created equally, then the next question we must answer is, do we treat people equally? Do we look at certain people from certain races or from certain countries and we say, oh, that's a good job for them because that's what kind of work they do or that's the kind of work that that group needs to do or that person needs to do or those people from that country need to do or that race needs to do? And do we treat people unequally by the thoughts that go into our mind by saying, oh, that's for them or that's for them? We never expect 
people like us, white people of our race, or whatever race anyone may be that may be listening to this online, it goes anyway, anybody from any race can be racist or treat any other race uh, uh, unequally. That's not, it doesn't matter where you are. It's in our heart that we may have a tendency to treat people unequally. God knew that that was in the heart of the Israelites, and he warned them not to give in to that. And guess what? It is in our hearts as well. That idea to think of some people as lesser than. To think of some people as, oh, those people need to be doing that and the other. Oh, we don't expect more of those people because they are not like us. And we begin to use language like them and us. And we begin to judge. Even if we don't speak it in our, with our mouth, we begin to judge in our heart. And we begin to do exactly what God's Word says to the Israelites that they shouldn't do and that we shouldn't do either. If we are all created equal, if we are all created in the very image of God, then we are no better than anyone else. We need to get that. If you think you are better than someone else, then you need to humble yourself. You need to be in God's Word and you need to pray that God would change your heart. Because it doesn't matter where you're from or the color of your skin. God created everyone equally, and God loves them just the same. As a result, we don't have a right to own another person. Don't forget in the passage we just read, the slavery there was only for a period of time, only a short period of time. It was not a lifelong ownership, and it was not an ownership that was passed from generation to generation. It was also not a mistreatment of the people so that they would be treated worse and not have an equal education and not have an equal opportunity when the time comes. When they were free, after their time had been served, they were treated as equals. So we need to keep these things in mind as we talk about the issue of slavery and is slavery wrong and was it ever wrong and did God say that slavery was right somehow by uh, giving these instructions for slaves. We talked a little bit about sometimes that God uses uh, one nation to bring punishment on another nation. I won't read you the verses because I've already talked about that. But Deuteronomy chapter 9 verses 1 through 6. If you want to make a note so you can read that for yourself. But we see that very idea uh, played out. Well, let's do read it because I think there's something good there for us that we need to hear as to what's going on. Deuteronomy chapter 9 verses 1 through 6. Deuteronomy 9, 1 through 6. Listen, Israel, today you are about to cross the Jordan and go and drive out nations greater and stronger than you with large cities fortified to the heavens. The people are strong and tall, the descendants of the Anakim. You know about them and you have heard it said about them. Who can stand up to the sons of Anak? But understand that today the Lord your God will cross over ahead of you as a consuming fire. He will devastate and subdue them before you. You will drive them out and destroy them swiftly as the Lord has told you. Now this is a good encouraging verse that God is giving to the children of Israel. He's saying you're about to face enemies that are bigger and stronger with fortified cities that are way tougher than anything you could ever imagine. But even though they're bigger than you, tougher than you, stronger than you, don't worry because I am with you. 
So God is saying He's going to deliver their enemies over to them. That's good encouragement. Verse 4. When the Lord your God drives them out before you, do not say to yourself, The Lord brought me in to take possession of this land because of my righteousness. Instead, the Lord will drive out these nations before you because of their wickedness. Now God puts it into perspective here. God says, I'm going with you. You are going to take, overtake certain people in certain nations, but don't be proud. Don't think it's because you are better than them or because you are so righteous. No, God says it's not because of your righteousness, but it's because of their wickedness. And so God kind of sets the tone there, a tone that we need to listen to and not think too highly of ourselves in one way, shape, or form and not think that we are better than other people from a certain country or of a certain race because we are not. We are created equal in God's eyes and we need to love one another equally and we need to treat one another with respect and with love. So what do we make of these verses that we see in the Old Testament? These verses and references that we see in the New Testament. If the Bible never comes right out and says that slavery is wrong, if God gives instructions on how to treat slaves, if Paul uh, talks about slavery in the New Testament, not in a condemning way, if Jesus references slaves and masters and illustrations to uh, the parables he says then is slavery okay? I would say slavery is not okay. And the reason why I would say that slavery is not okay, and I can't see how any Christian could own another person and think it's okay, is because of what God's Word tells us in the New Testament. In Mark 12, 31, if you want to turn there, Mark 12, 31, Jesus speaks these very words to us here. Jesus had been asked what the most important uh, commandment was. The first one is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second one is found in Mark chapter 12, verse 31, where Jesus says, The second is love your neighbor as yourself. Now, it is impossible for me, maybe not for you or others, but it is impossible for me to read that verse and to justify that it is okay for one human being to own another human being. To own another human being and to own their relatives and to own their ancestors and that continue on and on and on. It's impossible for me when I see the love of the gospel, when I see how Jesus loved all people, when I see... <clears throat> excuse me, uh, how, how Paul and all the other disciples that we see in the New Testament, how they loved people, how they treated people, how they cared for people, how Jesus Christ himself said that we are to treat all people equally. How James says in James chapter 2 that we are not to show favoritism. It's difficult for me to wrap my mind around that slavery is okay. Now, I believe that God allowed slavery in the Old Testament but I don't think it's what God desired. And you say, well, 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 how can you make such a statement? How can you back that up with Scripture? How can you just throw that out there that that is what you think? Well, I think Jesus 
kind of sets the tone for that just a little bit when the Pharisees come to him and they ask him about divorce. And they say, well, Jesus, why did Moses command us to get divorced? And Jesus said, well, haven't you read the text? And then Jesus corrects them. He says, Moses allowed you to get divorced because of the hardness of your heart. One of the reasons, perhaps, that God did that is because the women of that culture didn't have many rights. If a woman in that culture was divorced and thrown to the curb, uh, they wouldn't have much hope. I believe that God put that allowance in there for divorce to protect the woman, for the good of the woman in that culture. The Pharisees thought that God had commanded it through Moses, but Jesus said, no, God allowed it, but it was because of the hardness of your hearts. And then Jesus said, even though this was allowed for a time, Jesus said, but it's not always been that way. It wasn't that way from the beginning. And I believe that that same thought applies here to when we talk about slavery. Just like divorce, it was something that God allowed, but it's never part of God's plan. It's not what God desires, and it is not okay. God may have allowed that at that period of time for the Israelites, but that is not the way it was intended to be. That's not how it was from the beginning, and I don't believe that that is how it should be after Jesus Christ has given His life on a cross so that we could be forgiven. Let us not forget where we came from as sinners who were slaves to sin, who have been given grace and freedom through Jesus Christ. Let us not forget what we've received that we have not deserved and use that as a motivation to say, you know what, I'm going to love all people because Jesus Christ loved me. Because Jesus Christ chose me, even though I wasn't born an Israelite, I still can come to uh, faith in Jesus Christ and have forgiveness through Him because He loved me and treated me as an equal and did not treat me different and did not say, you are not one of mine through blood, you are not an Israelite, therefore do what I say. God would have been right to do that because He is God and He is perfect. But God shared the blessing from the Israelites also to us through Jesus Christ. And when we think about slavery, it still goes on in our world today. We may be tempted to think of a hundred years ago. We may be tempted to think of slavery in the United States. But really, the sad thing is, is that slavery is running rampant in our world today. There are women, there are children that are being sold into slavery all over this world and even here in these United States. So many times we may want to try to justify the slavery that took place in our own United States 100, 200 years ago. We may say, well, uh, there were many slave owners who treated people good, who uh, treated them right, who took good care of them. Slavery is not bad. We may try to defend the slavery that took place. But I believe the slavery that took place here in the United States was far different than the slavery that we see mentioned in Scripture. The slaves who were enslaved here in the United States did not have rights. They were into slavery and they were kept in slavery. They were not paying off a debt that could be uh, cashed in after seven years and they could go free. They were loaded on ships. They were brought here against their will and they were mistreated in many instances. Might there have been some who were treated right? 
Might there have been some who were treated good? There may have been. Does that justify owning another person? Absolutely not. Does that justify treating another person as an unequal by not educating them, by not treating them the same, by not making sure their needs were met, by taking their children and their grandchildren and enslaving them because they were born to you of the slave that you own? Absolutely not. There is no justification for that type of behavior. And we can't say, well, some were treated good as a justification to say, well, we were right in the South. We did not have that right then, and we do not have that right now. So when we see people who may uh, think about and talk about slavery and may be offended or hurt by slavery even today because a great relative of theirs or a great a grandfather or grandmother was a slavery, we need to think for just one moment in the eyes of those who may have come from a family of slaves to try to understand maybe why the people are upset why they feel a certain way. It's hard for us to do that. It's hard for us to imagine what it would be like to be enslaved and to be overtaken because we are not. And we don't have that in our history. And so therefore, we can't imagine what it feels like or why some things may be offensive to some people. And we need to take just a second to try to understand those who may be arguing for slavery and things of the past. Should the past die? In some ways, yes, it should. I'm not defending those who are wanting to bring up the past, but I'm saying that we need to understand why that, 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 that tension is there in our world, not just in these United States, but all over the world where slavery takes place. Imagine, if you would, for just a minute as we close... Imagine, if you would, a future, not too far from now, in which these United States of America are overtaken by another country, and similar to what the Israelites were. We are overtaken by another country, perhaps as punishment, because we have not been obedient to God as a nation. Not that I'm saying that we are Israel. Don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that scriptures about Israel apply to the United States. But what I'm saying is, is that what if there's a day that another country were to overtake the United States? And they were to come in and they were to enslave us. And they were to come in waving their country's flag proudly every time they would come to a door and they would take you. And they would take your children and they would take your grandchildren. And you would know that you would not have a future. That your children would not have a future. That any great-grandchildren that may ever be born to your family would not have a future because you were enslaved by someone else that didn't treat you rightly, that didn't treat your family rightly. And that's a hard thing for us to imagine. That's a hard thing for us to swallow. That's a hard thing for us to think about because it wouldn't be right. But what if they treated you really well? But what if they treated your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren really well and they fed them twice a day instead of once a day? It would be okay then, right? No, it wouldn't. It would never be okay under any circumstances for one human being to own and oppress another human being. God allowed it in that season 
We may question, why did God do that? Well, God is perfect and God has His reasons. But we should never fall into the trap of trying to justify slavery that has taken place here or that has taken place in any other part of the world. I know that this is not what the text that we read in the context is talking about. But I feel like we needed to put it in the context of our culture and in our world. Because hopefully nobody in here owns a slave and never will own a slave. But we need to understand the severity of that. We need to understand the value of human life. We need to understand that Jesus Christ died for our sins and He died for the sins of all that we will encounter. Therefore, those that we encounter, let us treat them with love. Let us not look down upon anyone, no matter where they are from or the color of their skin, but let us remember the very words that Jesus spoke to the Israelites. Remember where you came from. Remember that you are a sinner saved by grace, and God has called us to go out into a world of other sinners so that they may receive the same grace and they may receive the same freedom in Jesus Christ that we have received so that they would no longer be slaves to sin, but they would be freed in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you tonight, and this was heavy stuff, dear Lord. This is so heavy because it's serious, and it just it, it breaks our heart. It should break our heart, dear Lord, that we see people in this world today who are enslaved, lives who are treated like nothing. And people don't care, dear Lord. God, it should, it, should, it should just break our heart that that happened in our own country, that people here were treated that way, dear Lord that people were not treated like human beings. God, let us never be guilty of that. Let us not ever take your word and twist it to justify slavery, to justify how we treat other people, dear Lord. And if we do that, convict us, God. God, let us look at people as our neighbors and treat them like ourselves. God, let us see people and think about how we would feel if it was us or if it was our family, if it was our children, if it was our grandchildren who were being treated that way, dear Lord. It's not right. It's not right for us to be treated that way, and it's not right for us to treat others that way, God. So I pray that you would break our heart for people who are enslaved. I pray, God, that you would blind our eyes to see color that we wouldn't see color, that we wouldn't see race, that we wouldn't see nationality, but that we would see lost souls and that we would love the way that we have been loved, that we will extend the same freedom and mercy and grace that we have received, God. I pray that you help us to read your words and read them good, to know what they say and try to understand them, dear Lord, and never allow Satan to cause us to twist your words to justify things that have happened in the past are things that we may be tempted to do in the future. God, I thank you for these good words. I thank you for Jesus Christ. I thank you for freedom. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.